Good afternoon and welcome back to the Sunday School Podcast, the pod all about digging deeper into the Bible using social, historical, and scientific context. I'm Sean Parker, and today we're going to talk about how a Christian should view politics. We're living in troubling times and a very volatile political environment. What's the posture a Christian should take with regards to politics? How did Jesus view politics of his time? Uh, We will answer these questions and more in today's episode of Sunday School with Sean. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We publish new episodes every Sunday covering a variety of biblical topics, and your support can help this podcast grow and reach more people. Today's world is rife with political division. Here in America, we seem more divided than ever before. Christian values seem to be getting attacked from all sides. What type of lens should a Christian be looking through when viewing our political climate? Let's start by examining the political climate of Jesus' time. I've mentioned in a previous episode that the time Jesus came was very peaceful, due mostly to a lack of wars with foreign countries. That peace didn't necessarily extend to the politics of the land. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus' death was a political assassination. He was usurping the power of Jewish leaders, so they had him killed. I don't believe any politician today faced the type of character attacks that Jesus did, regardless how, of how vile our, our media and others have been towards some of our recent leaders. Uh, so... You know, with regards to that, what was Jesus' take on respecting our leaders and obeying our government? I think we'll see that the Bible's pretty clear on the posture a Christian should take when getting involved in politics. So let's start by viewing an example Jesus set. Mark 12, verses 13 through 17 says, And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, We know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So you've got two groups of people trying to trip Jesus up, kind of like you would see the media do in interviews today. This is a form of gotcha question uh, that they're trying to drop on Jesus. Uh, And based on the way he answers, it would kind of alienate him with different groups of people. If he says, don't pay taxes, uh, you know, in this day and age, he would probably be arrested for sedition or killed. Uh, Rome didn't, didn't play with that. Uh, so that would get him in trouble. Now, if he says you should pay the taxes, then he's got a lot of his followers that are really against this, and, and he could lose popularity with them. And they want that because Jesus' popularity prevents them from being able to just do the things they want to to him because— you know, they have to discredit him first and cause his followers to no longer support him. But nobody plays biblical politics better than Jesus. 
He directly answers their question, but his answer requires them to interpret it with biblical principles. He doesn't dodge the question like most politicians would today. And his answer tells us something that applies to us in today's world. How should we view our own taxes? Now, I hate taxes, as most of you likely do as well. Uh, Nobody seems to spend my money worse than the government. But that raises a question. If our government is spending my money to do things that are contrary to my beliefs, should I be required to pay them taxes? Our government sends funding to Planned Parenthood to support abortions. You know, as, as much as you may not want to hear it, I think that these verses show us that we are still to pay our taxes. Romans 13 verses 1 through 7 go on to support this. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So we're called to be obedient. Uh, But this isn't without exception. You know, as we've seen in the book of Daniel, when a government calls its people to live in a way contrary to God, we should rebel from that direction. Uh, God comes first. Uh, You know, Daniel was told he could no longer pray to God, yet he continued to pray with his windows open wide. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and another part of Daniel, were told to bow down and worship an idol. They refused to do so, and if you remember, they were tossed in a fiery furnace. So we have to be really willing to live for God's purposes in this world. You know, stand up for Jesus and be courageous. And and we should do this when our government's directly telling us we have to do something contrary to God. Now, aside from that, as a Christian, we should be the ones to set an example by paying our taxes, doing things honestly, and and really living what Romans is saying here. You know, a more recent example of of what Daniel was doing would be in Nazi Germany uh, during World War II. You've got people, and I'm sure many Christians, hiding Jews from Nazis. Uh, And that would have been rebellious. You know, they were trying to round them up and it was illegal to harbor them. But this was the right thing to do because they were pushing them to do something contrary to God's word. So, you know, we don't have to obey our governments when it means disobeying God. I want to pause here a second and tell you about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is a hosting service for podcasts. As a first-time podcaster, I've found that using Buzzsprout has made the process extremely easy. All you need is a quiet place and things you probably already have. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. 
you'll get a great looking podcast website as well. Following the link in the episode description lets Buzzsprout know we sent you. We'll get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I highly recommend you give Buzzsprout a try. So our government has a place. As we read a moment ago, our government is also a blessing from God, regardless of if it feels that way at all times. Uh, But what about our leaders? Do we have to respect them as well? If a president is elected that I disagree with, do I have to show him respect? I think the Bible's clear on this. God is the one who puts rulers on the throne or presidents in office in this instance. And regardless if it's President Obama, President Trump, President Biden, the office should be respected. And that's an emphasis on the office and not necessarily the person themselves, though I think we should show them respect. You know, we don't necessarily have to agree with them. You know, they're put in that place. It doesn't mean they're not evil or they're, you know, not going to do things contrary to God's word, but they're going to live within God's will and further God's purposes, whatever that may be. First Peter 2 verses 13 through 17 says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So our leaders are fallible people. They have sin in their lives and often act contrary to God's word, but we have to remember that they are still serving God's purpose. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So God's in control. He's the master weaver, stitching together everything to bear fruit for his kingdom. As believers, we don't have to worry. He's not necessarily working everything to our earthly good or comfort, but instead preparing for his final eternal kingdom. And we have to remember that our earthly leaders and our earthly governments are fleeting. Revelations 22 verses 1 through 5 say, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So we don't rely on our leaders of today. We are sustained by God alone. There will be a time when all of these nations are washed away and only God's eternal kingdom remains. But for now, we do have to exist in the world in which we live. But we only have to look at the Bible for what can give us courage. Think of all the believers who have flourished throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament through antagonistic leadership and opposition. 
you know, we should remain optimistic. But being optimistic is, you know, extremely challenging at times. Uh, it can cause us to get down about the world we live in. You know, we see a lot of sin and a lot of evil in our country and other countries. But Jesus even said those who feel this way are to be blessed. Matthew 5, 6 in the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. But in feeling this way, we are also called to action. Uh, A few of these verses later in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16 say, where Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I believe as Christians, we have a duty to be active in our communities and our politics. We are saddened by the things in this world and and those that aren't saved. But we can't just be upset about that. We have to do something about it. We have to stand up for God, as I said earlier. So we should be attempting to influence policies that support God's kingdom. You know, but regardless of how godly or sinful our nation is, we are still, as our pledge states, one nation under God. And that doesn't change if those words are removed. It applies to all nations. Iran is a nation under God because God is sovereign to all nations. And thankfully, we have only one king, and that's Jesus. So don't let politics suck you in. You know, don't let it get you angry. I know I'm guilty of that from time to time. You know, It's okay to hunger and thirst for our nation to be more godly. But if or when it doesn't happen, we still have hope. Revelation 17, 14 says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. I see a lot of Christians get wrapped up in politics, and in some cases it's understandable. There are a lot of evil policies that need to change, but at the same time, we need to stop relying on the government to solve our problems. It's not the government's job to care for the poor. That should be accomplished by the church. If the church were a stronger force in our country, there wouldn't be a need for the government to have so much power. If we were caring for our children, pro-choice activists wouldn't be able to say, you only care about life up until the child is born. So let's be an active part of our communities so that people come to rely on God and not the government. Let's be respectful of our government so that people see us setting an example and being a light unto the world. And finally, let us understand that God is our source of truth and our hope for the future. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to leave a review and whatever player you use to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are released every Sunday. God bless.